0: Hello, and welcome to Stuff We Seen. This is Jim, and with me is...
1: Behold his mighty hand!
0: ...Teal. And uh, today, we're getting biblical. That's right. We're getting <laughs> biblical for Easter time. I don't know why we're doing this episode. We're probably going to get into lots of trouble. Um, there's no way that this isn't going to come out bad, but uh, we're, we're going there. We're going for Easter. Um, super, super religious fan, Teal and, my, and myself. <laughs> Look I'm laughing. That's already very sacrilegious. Oh, I,
1: I mean, okay, I guess it is sacrilegious, but, well, I don't know. We'll talk about this. Over the course of the episode, but I, you know, have feelings about blasphemy. Okay. And how it should be defined and uh, treated. That said, I am probably more of the blasphemer in this episode. Because I had very little religious upbringing. Not enough religious training <laughs> to
0: warrant you an expert on this conversation.
1: I, I'm definitely not an expert. And so when I started doing a little research on this, I realized I really didn't know much about Easter.
0: Yeah, you didn't really have much of a religious uh, upbringing. Now, I, I I want to give my credentials. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear show. your
1: credentials because I've got none. I, I thought this whole thing was about bunnies.
0: Right, I um, well, there's that very important um, holiday special, Easter Bunny's coming to town, which tells <laughs> the true story of the Easter Bunny <laughs> and how the eggs came to be and how the candy was hidden. It's very important, um, and, and but it's a TV show. We're not going to focus okay. on that
1: now. So, um, uh, but yeah, but my parents are pagans, and so uh, Easter was a pagan holiday for me as a kid. Okay, I was raised
0: protestant methodist uh went to sunday school oh wow Didn't didn't really get beyond like once you have to move into like more like confirmation territory kind of dropped out as a matter of fact as you know hey it's a it's a show about sharing um (laughs) (laughs) things i got into kind of trouble when um you know i always thought that the going i always enjoyed sunday school and we'd the Bible stories and whatnot. And, you know, I always thought them as the fun stories. And I kind of, I, I always treated them as sort of Aesop fables like, oh, you know, there's yeah. some like morality tales in here. But I don't think I ever took
1: things too literally. Well, and I think that's, in, in my limited knowledge, that's kind of how Sunday school is. They're little parables and morals and, things like that
0: well you'd be surprised you read bible chunks and you go in but i mean i was like you know i always wanted to go for the the greatest hits kind of stuff the stuff that i saw in the movies right (laughs) Right. and um i got into trouble one day um as we were getting a little bit closer to like you know we had like a new pastor guy and he was a little from the south and i think he was a little bit more religious than what we were used to and you know he's going on and talking about adam Eve, and i had put up my hand (laughs) And I mean, I wasn't being a wiseacre, right? And, and you know, we wanted I wanted a question. And I, I said, well, okay, so are, I, it, let me get this straight. So are we saying that, like, Adam and Eve, like, all that happened, it was kind of like in one spot, but then, like, over in another part of the world, we had, the, like, the dinosaurs? How did that all work out since the dinosaurs <laughs> came and evolved from fish and then the apes? He didn't have an answer for me. He just said that's not the, this isn't the right place for that conversation. And I knew my <laughs> days were numbered. you know. Um, I also there was a realization and I'm, this is just my own journey that uh, when I realized that Santa Claus was not a real, Thing, right, and that my parents had created this (laughs) bamboozled you, (laughs) this mythology and all the (laughs) hoax. and that that you know something that was so fantastical uh, that couldn't really happen, and and logistically it'd be impossible, and just didn't make sense of any kind of physics or science. Yeah, Um, if if that which was told to be absolute truth, was not real. Then I was like, well, wait a minute, but what about all this Bible stuff? Some of this stuff's just not happening for me. And so, like I said, I, I knew my career was limited. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of went on my own journey after that. So um, I am not a I am not a religious or a spiritual person. However, however, I do love myself some good sword and sandals and some good uh, Bible <laughs> movies.
1: They were always some of my favorites growing up. Okay, so you said that you were looking for the greatest hits in Sunday school, the things you had seen in the movies. Just give me a little over, because I didn't I didn't watch any of these movies as a kid. I, I knew about them, but uh, they were not something my parents would allow me to bring home from the video store. Okay, so... My favorite growing up. And then by the time I was old enough to bring my own stuff home from the video store, I was definitely not interested in watching The Ten Commandments.
0: Well, that's the greatest Easter film of all time. It has nothing to do with technically Easter, right? Um, But yet it was on around Easter time every year, and I associated The Ten Commandments, and it was always on two nights, Saturday and Sunday, and we'd always be at my grandmother's house and we'd watch it, and I just loved when, like, uh, you know, uh, Moses saves his real mom from getting crushed under this wall, they're building. And, and already the fact that, you know, coincidentally, he's able to save his mom from this crushed uh, <laughs> building. And it's his real mom. And the whole thing with the basket going down the water. And then, uh, you know, he, he's saved by, uh, I forget the, the person who saves him, but then, uh, this other person knows the truth, this, uh, slave servant, uh, Mamet, and, uh, Ne- Nefertiri, she tries to protect Moses' identity, so she kills me. I mean, I loved all this stuff. And then you, yeah. Brenner, I mean, I mean, this guy was just awesome. I loved him. He was this evil, awesome villain, Ramses. I, I loved it every year, but yet I wasn't old enough to stay up like for all the oh. good stuff. At the end, I never got to see like the burning bush and then the Ten Commandments being made. And I I think I always get to the part where the seas (laughs) parted and then they'd have to go to bed. And Eventually, I got to see the whole thing, but I I don't think I quite understood how all the pieces interlocked and that it was shown because Passover is around the same time of Easter. Because, of course, that on the Last Supper, Jesus is celebrating Passover because Jesus was Jewish. Correct. You know, so something I, mean, I learned from watching these movies. Yeah. Um, so, you know, piecing all these together, there was that. And then my dad, like whenever, you know, we didn't have cable back then and when I was a kid. Right. And, and you had only a few stations. Uh, the UHF stations on Saturdays and Sundays were always showing a bunch of movies. And man, they always had some of these uh, biblical films running around this period right. of time. I don't even know what the names of some of them were, right? I'd I'd find out later, but, like, I'd be watching them because my dad was watching them just because he likes those good old, you know, epic romps. Um, Right. So that's how I'd see the greatest story ever told with Max von Sydow. I never sat there and watched it, like, say, beginning to end every year. It just happened to be on, and you'd, like, watch a chunk of it.
1: Yeah, and that movie has a few different
0: cuts, well, yeah, it, it was one of those that got chopped after the road show because um, it was shot in ultra Panavision yeah, 70 yeah. millimeter, but it was really long. And like the critics were like, how did I think that one of the critics had said, <laughs> uh, how did George Stevens tell the most boring story ever told? <laughs> yeah. um, so they would chop it down. Right. So they could get more screenings. Apparently
1: there's a two hour version and it's a four hour movie. So, Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> and they didn't lose anything by cutting it. To
0: right, we discovered with some of these long movies. I'm watching some of these silent films. That man, it's like five and a half hours, but it could have been one. Right, and then uh, another one that I would watch was this one my dad loved because like he's like, oh, you got the theme. where they, they feed the Christians to the lions, and I used to always watch this movie that I thought was really boring. <laughs> I had no idea what it was, and then years later, as I was trying to go through lists of movies uh I came across Q vadis and it was one of these like you know sword and sandal epics. Yeah. And I was shocked. I'm like, this is the same movie. This is the oh. one where it tells the early days of Christianity where the Romans were trying to like snuff that out and uh, they were feeding Christians to the lions. <laughs> That sounds kind of cool, actually.
1: You never seen Cream of Honest? <laughs> No, I'm oh, telling you, like, cool. I didn't watch any of these movies oh, as yeah. a kid. This, I'm, I'm totally new to this. This is why I'm curious to hear from you about these movies. Oh, and then there's like *The Robe*. Tell me about that. That's
0: where uh, you know there's like this whole sort of sci genre of movies that deal with uh, Christ or the, the crucifixion or the aftermath, told from different characters that are touched sort of by the hand of Jesus.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And this is a Roman soldier and he he might have been like I haven't seen it in years. He might have been the one that stabs Jesus, but it, like the blood of Jesus hits this robe that was supposed to be like Jesus's robe before he was put on the cross and then the Roman oh, soldier. Okay. And then so I think he starts following, you know, kind of the the disciples post Christ.
1: Okay. Yeah. interesting
0: there's like barabbas you know who barabbas is now right yeah and Barabbas. Yeah. Now, now i know but <laughs> i didn't Bar- have any idea. <laughs> wait what about barabbas i'm just laughing that you had no idea these stories like i am so like versed that you'd think i was going to bible study
1: for like weeks or something but um <laughs> but like barabbas yeah. so it <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> i still don't i mean i watched uh you know, in preparation for this episode, I, I, I did watch The Passion of the Christ. I had never seen it before. That's crazy. That you didn't see it. Through the whole movie, I'm going, huh, I wonder if this is in the Bible or if Mel Gibson added it. I'll have to ask Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, so my, because here's my... <laughs> I, I was like, wait, there's a guy who helped Jesus carry the cross for a while? I'd never heard about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know,
0: you, the Bible, <laughs> a lot of times in these... Um, these movie portrayals, they have Christ carrying the cross um, all the way up. And then there's some movies where he's just uh, tied to the cross others. He's nailed to the cross. Others is that he is nailed and tied to the cross because if you didn't tie the hands as well, right. Then the nails would, Right, you would rip off and to be agony and pain, and you know you don't want anybody pain and suffering while you're up on there. <laughs> you should put the nail through the wrist. actually. That's I think another thing that some of them do. So there's you know they, everybody has their own version, but uh, it's supposed to be that he's helped carry the cross and that he doesn't carry the cross. He may have started it or that or that someone carries the cross for him.
1: So one thing I noticed in Passion of the Christ is there's two other guys that are being crucified that day too.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's usually always 3. Yep.
1: Yeah, okay. So three total counting the JC. So the the two other guys have just the cross piece of the cross strapped onto their shoulders and they carry that. But then Jesus has his cross fully assembled to carry up, That's right? because it's part of the mythology. Okay, <laughs>
0: you, but <laughs> you cross to bear. You have to bear the cross. It's part of the You have to bear the cross, the cross yeah. but
1: but, but then in one of the other movies, so after this, I was I, I thought, okay, I, I got to see what's going on here. So I watched probably six or seven different crucifixion scenes from different movies. Okay. What's your favorite? <laughs> well, I was like, what, you know, I, I I watched The Passion of the Christ. I was like, I want to see how other movies do this. And some of the other ones, they don't have the fully assembled cross, Uh <laughs> some of them some assembly they ha- required they do the stages of the cross differently or the stations of the cross St- That's come on what it's get called.
0: it right stations of the cross.
1: <laughs> they do the stations of the cross differently in each movie uh in, in some the the bearing the cross part is really short uh they have different levels of violence and here's what i found really interesting is there's translation differences mm. And so, in some of these movies, he says, God, why have you forgotten me? In some, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, In Passion of the Christ, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? If you want the actual Bible translation, you got to go to Gospel According to St. Matthew, the Pasolini movie. Okay, and, and yeah, so what is the translation in that? I didn't, I didn't know you'd ask me that. <laughs> I wasn't prepared with all the translations. Okay, so just, so that one is considered the most literal translation, right? Well, it's,
0: it's all the text that's actually spoken in Gospel According to St. Matthew is from the Gospel According to St. Matthew.
1: Okay, but even still they're translating it into well, yeah. Italian. Yeah, and then translating um, it back into a subtitle. But, but that that like the word the the word that's being used, I don't know what the word is in the in the Bible, but it can be I guess translated as father or God mm. and so I find that interesting because they have really different meaning when he says that at the end, and then I don't know, I just I, I i that whole scene I hadn't really seen before, and so it was cool to see a bunch of different versions of it now, one of my favorites out of all the Bible movies,
0: my absolute favorite one. <laughs> It is. I feel lav- it, yes. it is. It's great. Um, uh, is Ben-Hur. Right now, see. Okay. Please, do, knowing- you, you are not going to tell me you never saw Ben-Hur because I'm going to reach to the microphone and slap you.
1: I've seen Ben-Hur.
0: Okay. Because, I mean, I, I, but I feel, I want to say that I don't think you've truly seen it unless you've seen it in the theater. I've seen it in the theater twice. And, man, it is just an awesome uh, theatrical experience. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it just like pan and
1: scan like on TV? Yes. Yeah. And it's an ultra Panavision movie. So to see it pan and yeah, scan, okay. you're missing I, I, so much. I, I'll, I'll give it another watch based on your recommendation. But well, I mean, it's cheesy. S- yeah. But But here's the thing. OK, so you said right off the bat, you like some sword and sandal stuff. Yeah. I, I thought this is in the subgenre of sword and sandal. It is in the subgenre <laughs> yeah, of sword and it's sandal. There's swords right? and sandals all over the place. <laughs> well, when you say sword and sandal, you're mostly, I think, talking about the Roman Empire.
0: Yeah, but that's all, but that's all
1: infiltrated. I mean, the, the Roman. No, that's my point. The, uh... it, that's my point. That's why it's part of the genre. Is that it? That period of time, the Roman Empire type period, is what we're talking about with sword and sandal. Yeah. I guess maybe sometimes it's Egypt
0: too. Yeah, and Jesus uh, and his merry band of partisans.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, yeah, this is a real learning experience for me, and I still don't totally understand Easter. Well. I
0: mean, do I have to now to explain that first of all, do you ever see the last temptation of Christ, right? That one okay, that's the that's really the only one I had seen this this is the one that I think is honestly it's one of the best the best Christ movies and it's funny because you and I remember very distinctly back in nineteen eighty eight oh, the yeah. amazing controversy, which was ridiculous by the way, of this movie that it was being you know hailed some kind of blasphemy. Oh, it was picketed and protested. But mind you, it was really focused on one thing. And that was because, again, mostly unseen, they were saying Christ is acting like a man and he's having sex with Mary Magdalene and this is blasphemous. And I want to tell you, if you've never seen it, you've only been afraid to see Last Temptation of Christ. Right. That's not what the movie is about at all. And if anything, this is what's so great about it. If you're if you're going at the movie from like a true believer standpoint... Then you'll appreciate the last part of the film is that this is the last temptation of Christ by the devil because he spent 40 days of contemplation before coming right. back off the mountain, coming down to his followers on Palm Sunday, and he's tempted by the devil um, to stay away from being, you know, God's deliverer. And right. this last temptation is that the devil's offering him away off the cross, and then Gives him like this journey of what his life could be like as a man and all the temptations and in this he he imagines being married to Mary Magdalene and having yeah. family and all this and then realizing that he's being just tempted by the devil and knowing he goes back on the cross so if anything it shows that his faith was <laughs> right. stronger than the devil and that he does the mission to save us all from our sins um, but you know so essentially what Easter is this. Christ comes down off the mountain. Palm Sunday, they go to the temples. They see that nobody is obeying the Sabbath, and all of the uh, priests and stuff—they're conducting, you know, businesses inside the temples. And he uh, storms that, and you know, smashes all this stuff, and uh, says, "Yeah, I've heard about that." Right. So then, you know, then there's this big decision where his followers think that he's going to lead a rebellion. But that's when he's like, well, not exactly. <laughs> I got a different kind of thing in mind. Uh Yeah, this is kind of crazy. I'm going to talk to you about it over dinner. Uh Passover dinner is a good time to tell you about what's, <laughs> what, what's going to happen. Meanwhile, the priests feel that this guy, Christ, got a big following. He's a danger. Now, are these priests, are they the Pharisees? Yeah, they're going to, yes. And, and you know, they're working they don't want to see their uh their their power structure diminished also they don't right. want to fight with Roman empire hey if the romans are leaving us alone we want to keep everything we don't want to rock the boat this guy christ is rocking the boat they're getting nervous right um you know there's that whole thing which you probably since you didn't read the bible <laughs> you don't know about <laughs> the whole thing where Herod years before the prophecy of christ coming they went and killed all of the uh, the children they could get
1: their hands on. I, I, I did know about that because I would seen a uh, cartoon about the birth of Jesus. Jesus. And
0: did you ever, so did you watch the gospel according to St. Matthew? Uh, not the whole thing. Oh, but did you see the beginning, like the first yep. chunk? It, Oh, yes, yes. Because they cover that, and that's actually, I like, think, the best part of the movie. It's really brutal. Yeah. They're, like, taking kids and, like, hacking them up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, holy crap, what's going on here? Um, so, yes, I did know about that. Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, they – they we, we look, we didn't have social media back then, right? Um, <laughs> they, should, they It would have changed things. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't have that. So they're like, I don't know, this Jesus guy, you know, he, 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 he could be anybody. We don't know who he is, but uh, Judas – you're one of his uh pals you you could you could uh, call him out for us right so here's what we want you to do you have your dinner afterwards we're gonna get, gonna kiss him and we're gonna know that's him and uh, there's nothing gay about that at all and uh, <laughs> And uh, then we're going to take him away So he agrees for some uh, You know some pieces of silver And right. so then on the, the dinner time uh, You know way to spoil the ending Christ, Christ tells him One of you going to betray me And Jesus is looking like how does he know uh, he's Like Someone, <laughs> One of you is going to deny me And then you know uh, and uh, I'm going to die and then I'm going to come back Okay And so by the way he- here's my blood Drink it up and <laughs> here's my body Eat it up Oh and then the rest is history. And that's the Last Supper. <laughs> that's the Last Supper. That's Thursday. He gets arrested. Um, that night he gets arrested? Or yeah.
1: the next morning? No, that he night. gets okay. arrested yeah.
0: that night. And then, you know, uh, Herod's kind of like, I don't know what to do with this guy. And they're like, well, why don't we take him to, like, you know, the head uh, head police chief there, Pilot, Pontius Pilot. Oh, yes, yes. And Pontius Pilot's like, eh. What am I gonna do with you? <laughs> what am I gonna do with this guy? <laughs> I don't know. What am I to do? What do I want to do? I don't know. I, you know, he's just, uh, he's just, uh, he's, you know, he's just like one of those prophet guys. Uh, he's,
1: he's done, just, done anything We got plenty
0: of those prophet guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, I don't want to crucify. I don't know what to do with this guy. All right, let the people decide. And you know, the people, that like they want to, they want to have a, you know, they, they have some bloodlust, and they want to decide. Yeah, let's get rid of this guy. And so then, yeah, you know, they crucify him, and then. uh that's on Friday, good Friday. And then he, okay. uh, he he dies. He's the last one to die. Then the earth gets a little bit shaky, big storm. Uh, he gets taken off the cross. Uh, his mom and some pals wrap him up, put him in a cave, takes a rest on Saturday. Sunday, they come back. Hey, the stone's moved. What the hell? Someone's taken the body. And then, you know, ghost of Christ shows up at the disciples and said, I've risen. And then there's not a lot of talk about what happens afterwards. Does he does he disappear? Does he hang out somewhere? I don't know. Okay. That was always the part that I was like, "Well, where did he go afterwards?" I guess he went to heaven waiting for.
1: So the Passion of the Christ sequel is supposed to cover that.
0: I guess so. Yeah, right. Because when we last left off, we had the no, no, no. They're actually making. No, a I know they are. I'm just yeah. saying because when we last left off, we saw the glowing uh,
1: holes in the hands. <laughs> Oh my god, I cannot believe that was the last shot that of That was my least favorite part of the movie. It was shocking to me. I was expecting <laughs> yeah. I was expecting a glowing heavenly light and Jesus ascending and no, we get a shot of, of a CGI hole in a hand. Yes, we do. So <laughs> so I mean the last temptation of
0: Christ covers that week.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, okay. Now I have a pretty good sense of it. And okay, here's another thing that I was sort of uh, wondering about is Pontius Pilate says, I don't know what to do with you. So he, he uh, lets the people decide, uh, but then the Roman soldiers are involved in the crucifixion.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't the so Jewish he, people, and I mean, but they were like,
0: you know, they were like a, a mob going, Yeah, kill them. I mean, right, and the whole idea okay. is that the Jewish people are the ones who wanted it or something, and then you know, then afterwards, they okay, and then they carry it out. He they were they, they were prophesized to have a savior, right? So the savior comes along, but they didn't believe he's the savior. So, in the Jewish faith. We did not get the second coming yet. You see, right? And, and okay. whereas the Christianity splits off because then these followers, um, some Jewish, some Roman, they started to believe in his teachings and that he is the Son of God. He was the second coming, and that he has created heaven, which the Jewish faith does not believe in. I um, oh, have, and that it's a place. Okay. How do how do you not know all this stuff? <laughs> how do you not know? <laughs> I'm I've been follow, I haven't been in a church in decades and I know these stories but uh you know so again how did all the hatred of Jewish people for this come about I don't know it's ridiculous but um and I also when I watched The Passion of the Christ that that was a lot of the critique was that yeah. it made the Jews look like villains and stuff I don't necessarily f- I, I just thought I was following the story but I also understand that when we have this insane history of of uh, persecution and hatred towards Jews for crazy silly reasons that something like this ends up being a tool to be used by xenophobes.
1: Absolutely. And especially since we now kind of know more about Mel Gibson.
0: Yeah, right. At the time, he hadn't um, hadn't been arrested yet for that drunk driving incident.
1: <laughs> and, uh, I, exactly, we hadn't really heard what's and so, but there were a number of controversial elements in the movie, right? But so when I'm watching, I'm like, I don't know which part is controversial. I don't know what people would object to because I, I, it seems to me that people have very specific readings of the Bible and they don't want them stretched too much. The, the controversy
0: was, was was the depiction of the high priests.
1: Okay, okay, that was the Seeming like they were yeah.
0: Jewish caricatures, stereotypes, and that they looked like okay. they were villainous. Um, now, when that movie came out, right, you know, there was a lot of pre-discussion about the movie, yeah. right, a lot of hype. I I had a feeling that this movie was going to be <laughs> big, but I didn't, but I mean, but nobody could have predicted what an insane, like, box office, because sm- other other biblical movies had kind of fallen out of favor,
1: Right Right And it was a niche market right? Yeah
0: I mean Hollywood would did that, Nobody would finance He financed it with his own money Which made him yeah. even richer Because he financed it With his own money
1: um, And it was a It was a $30 million budget And it made $600 million. I know Worldwide three hundred in the US yeah. I mean At the yeah. time three hundred in the US It was That was crazy So Yeah
0: Thinking that this could be A thing Opening night It opened on a Wednesday I remember And my girlfriend at the time And I And my friend uh, Pete, we went to this film, um, big theater, opening night, and I just kind of like thought that there might be, it just might be something going on here, and we got to, we got to <laughs> experience it the first night, and I didn't know if there'd be protest or what, but we get in. And a place very quickly was... We got there a little bit early. I was like, wow, we got to make sure we get a good seat. And it was going to be one of those two things where either no one was going to be there and we got there early for nothing or it's going to be packed. This place was an absolute zoo. It was sold out by the time the movie started. There were... This is what I was surprised. There were tons of youth church groups in there.
1: Wow, okay. Kids wearing like Christ
0: or whatever shirts and all this stuff. And there was this weird fervorish atmosphere that clearly there were people in this movie theater that were in tuned to something that I wasn't in that this was going to be the definitive story of the whole last week of Christ's life. Right. This was the film that was going to get it right and really show us or something. That surprised me. Then before the movie could start, somebody called in a bomb threat to the theater. <laughs> and we all had to leave, to wait out oh, the bomb man. threat, and come in. I don't you know, so so there was some stuff going on. So then this just made this movie, you know, kind of an experience to see. I saw it the one and only time that opening night. And then of course it became a super phenomenon. Right. About a month later. So it's still like pack maybe even less than a month. I go to an art house with my girlfriend and we were going to see uh Bertolucci's The Lovers, was that what it was called? Bertolucci? Bertolucci, sorry, Bertolucci's The Lovers, I think. It's this movie that's set in Paris 68 during the riots. Okay. And it's about an American who goes there and he kind of like gets taken in by these two French kids that are living kind of this bohemian life with their parents away. And it was NC-17 because there was a lot of sex going on in the movie. Okay. A lot of sexual stuff. And I thought it was a really great movie, by the way. And it was covered in a part of history that I didn't have a lot of familiarity with. Um, So I think it was one of Bertolucci's last really good movies. But I was taken, waiting in line for this to start. There were a few of us in line for The lovers, Right. Right next to us was the line for the last temptation of Christ, which had been out a few weeks. Right, it was like hundreds of people lined up, <laughs> and parents had their like little six year olds and stuff. And I remember thinking at the time that there was some, you know, the the whipping of of Christ and putting the crown on his head and everything was pretty violent. Yeah, and, and extreme. Plus, it's also in in a foreign language with subtitles, and I'm like. I thought that that movie was way more NC-17 than what I watched in The Lovers, and it struck me that kids under the age of 18 would be prevented from seeing the movie I was going to see because of some sexual content, yet they were fully allowed with their parents to see this Passion of the Christ.
1: Wow. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. (laughs) And you just skipped the whole affair altogether. I skipped the whole affair altogether. I just thought, okay, this is something that religious people are up to, and it's not really my thing. So, uh, you know, I, not, I'm not like a big Mel Gibson as a director fan. I like I don't actually like any of his movies. Man
0: without a face. <laughs> eh,
1: that's okay.
0: I mean, <laughs> Braveheart, one of the most overstuffed Oscar movie. Braveheart sucks. It really was not a good movie, but uh, that year. Uh, they didn't really nominate the best film of the year
1: anyway, so that's why got, yeah got but the, the it, ball. It's I haven't seen Apocalypto. Oh, Apocalypto is great. Yeah, I've 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 been wanting to watch it. I just haven't <laughs> oh, gotten gosh, to of it. That movie's awesome. <laughs> so here's the thing: watching The Passion of the Christ, I thought it was kind of violent, but. Uh, it wasn't like uh, stomach churning for me. Sometimes I, I, sometimes violence is kind of upsetting to me in certain context and it wasn't that upsetting to me. I came away. So I, 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 watched, I thought, you know, this is actually, this is a pretty good. Jesus movie, right? Like I got a <laughs> message, I, I got a message from it. I like you're ready to convert. I, I'm not ready to convert, but I could, I could see how people could have an emotional reaction to this. Hallelujah. Teal is born again. <laughs> I am. Praise so, Jesus. But, I, you know, I found it I find it kind of moving at the end when after all that he's been put through, he just says, forgive them, they know not what they do. That's pretty powerful. Well, that's the powerful message, right?
0: Of that he's supposed to go through all this suffering, but yet he himself, and, and I think what you're struck by is the fact is the message of Christ is is far different from the reality of the groups that fervently support it these days. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And and I don't know how you could come out of this movie with anything other than we need to love each other and not persecute people for their beliefs. And if somebody blasphemes, we should love them and not torture them. And people are uh, uh, faulty and make, mistakes and can be forgiven and loved and we need empathy and humanity. I don't know how you can walk out of the movie thinking we need to persecute more people. This is the the most uh, interesting
0: thing is that uh, balance between the message versus how it gets obscured today yeah, um, and culturally gets turned into something really
1: weird something really but the message just seemed so clear to me there was there was no anger in this movie it, it was you know the opposite of that and and so yeah i don't know how that message but all those people went and saw the movie that you know you're talking about that were hundreds of people in line for the movie religious people went and saw this movie and how did they not get that message i we, don't understand well you know we grew up right and of course, we were just very,
0: very little. But we were coming out of that, out of those hippie days. And at the time, yeah. like there was that whole hippies for Jesus, the real love message of him. that yeah. was kind of a thing for a
1: short period
0: of time. So I guess
1: uh, like Jesus Christ Superstar would sort of fit into that, right?
0: Right, because that was the rock opera. Andrew Lloyd Webber graded it as a, as a record. And then it got adapted onto uh, Broadway, and then they made a movie of it, where Norman Jewison uh, directed it. And that kind of has the hippies putting on a play that turns into the movie, right?
1: Yeah, but it but it has sort of the hippie love kind of vibe to it. Yeah, like that and Godspell. So those kind of rock haven't seen that. Yeah. Those rock Christian <laughs> musicals were big back then. Okay, so this, you know, it's interesting to me because that's not what I was expecting from Passion of the Christ.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why I always go into these movies with a pretty um, open, you know, book. And of course, to think of anything, what happened is the success of Passion of the Christ, it kind of turned into a whole cottage industry of independent, right. sometimes religious organization-backed. Christ movies or religious themed movies that they knew that the studios would never make. So they started making them and promoting them within their churches and those would all become hits. And those are the things that like Kirk uh, Cameron is involved in and stuff like that. And then
1: Kevin Sorbo
0: and now Jim Caviezel, he's on the, he's on the uh, super Christian bandwagon as well.
1: Well, he's always been a super Christian, but wasn't necessarily just doing those movies.
0: Right. But yeah, he pretty much went all full in. He went full, full foxicated and, uh, you know, that mixture of right wing politics and Christianity.
1: Oh, I didn't realize he was doing
0: that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, so, you know, but now. I thought he was a good Jesus, though. I got to say. He was a pretty good Jesus. I mean, you know, it would be better, I guess, if they actually went and got like a Palestinian, right? God forbid that, you know, like a Jewish uh, person. okay. Okay.
1: His eyes in the movie are gold. That was probably a choice. Okay. I mean, because clearly it's contact lenses. The other thing, (laughs) since I watched all these crucifixion scenes, Passion of the Christ does something different than all the others in the depiction of the Romans. Yeah. Is the people who, the guys, the soldiers that are whooping him are laughing it up and having a grand old time in Passion of the Christ. In all the other movies, they are serious and doing their. Job, and I thought that was a really interesting choice because it doesn't change any of the action, but it is the portrayal, and it it, it casts the Romans not not so much as an evil oppressive empire, but as a bunch of uh, uh, sickos. Yeah, and let's face it. There is no I mean if we want to get into
0: historical context, there's no there's not a lot of historical proof that even Jesus existed but that's and I know people would blaspheme that but uh, but let's just say he did and all this happened. that portrayal of how he would have been beaten by the Romans is probably pretty
1: accurate right yeah okay i i just didn't it was the laughing about it that really changed the mood of the sequence and i thought that was an interesting directorial choice
0: well what i like about the movie ben-hur is that you know again these are movies that you always have like the the christ surrogate it it tells parallel the christ story with ben-hur's story and most of it's ben Hur's story, but Christ pops up a few times, right? It starts with yeah. the birth of Christ. And then Ben-Hur has a run-in when he is a slave and he is like barely alive and he needs water. A Roman won't give him any water. And Christ is there preaching at the same time. And- huh. And Ben Hur looks up like he's he's just about to die, right? This is his moment. He's not going to yeah. make it. But then you have the amazing Miko's Rosa score, and you see, of course, you know the Christ. You never really see his face. Like it's kind of like backlit oh, okay. in the right. sun, and you hear that you know dramatic music, and he gives water to Ben Hur, and Ben Hur looks up and he sees him, but then this Roman comes over and is like, you can't give water to him. And then the guy's like stopped because, you know, the power of Christ (laughs) uh, kind of shies the Roman away. But it's this one moment that he sees humanity in man through Jesus. That's cool. And then at the end of his journey, right after he's now like you know successful in the roman but he 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 decides that he's not going to join the roman empire and he's just going to go back to his family and that's when he finds out that his former best friend and uh possible ho- homosexual lover that they allude to in the story but they don't becomes his rival and because and that's basically there's a whole subtext there that ben hur spurs his best friend's offer to become you know a roman soldier Right, And so his friend also spurns his affections for him, in a sense, so that he punishes Ben-Hur and his whole family. Um, And then, of course, he gets his revenge through all his journeys, and then, of course, the big chariot race. And then on the death's door of his best friend who got run over by the chariot, he tells Ben-Hur that his uh, mother and sister could be found in the Valley of the Lepers. And Ben Hur takes them, and they're all, they're 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 dying. And then somebody mentions, "Well, there's a man that you might be able to see," which is Jesus. Oh. Goes to see him, but by then Jesus has already been arrested, and oh, Ben Hur can't believe. Yeah. Uh, so he he goes to watch, and he sees Christ going through the streets with the cross
1: oh yeah okay
0: the cross and he and he collapses and then ben hur tries to return the favor and give him some water and jesus gives him this gaze it's like a really p- powerful moment and then a roman soldier knocks the water away from ben hur and jesus that's pretty great but jesus you know it's like i got a favor i'm going to grant you a wish yeah and then then he watches Ben-Hur watches Jesus crucifixion Um, and he's really moved and he goes back and he tells like this woman, Esther, who's been kind of like, she was like a servant of the family and a best friend and also the person he loves. And this old guy or her father like feels so bad that he had taken Ben to see him and that all this had happened instead. And then as you see, like the storm happen, the blood of Christ drips into the puddles and stuff. And had goes in, and uh, this person Esther had uh, taken them to hopefully see Christ, and maybe, you know, get some kind of salvation for them in their uh, leprosy. Well, the blood of Christ into the water and stuff, and the rain, it cures their leprosy. And I know it sounds super cheesy, but the with the music and everything, it is so damn powerful. And you really do at that moment, you like believe in miracles. And so yeah. I feel like through this story, it does a great way of of kind of showing the power of what Christ is supposed to be. So the movie may be cheesy, but it's pretty awesome.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think there is <laughs> there is power to the story. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, it's a timeless tale. Here's something. I had this weird reaction during Passion of the Christ where I thought, Wait a minute! I'm rooting for Jesus, even though I know how it's going to end, right? And so I realized I was r- rooting for Jesus, and then I this is <laughs> this is really interesting. I realized that even though Jesus dies at the end of the movie, Christianity survives, right? Well, it doesn't. It's it's it's, it's really born right at that moment. It, it, it it's born at that moment, and so that. He, the character actually survives right through, through Christianity. And so that this movie actually gets you rooting for Christianity as a force that will counter the Romans and the Pharisees. But the problem is right. So, so Gibson does a great directorial
0: job. He also, he also uses what the, the original language. Yes. And you know he wanted to release the film without subtitles that's how pompous he was <laughs> he thought he thought that people would just understand it because of the power um i'm not kidding that's what, but then the studios are like you know the the people yeah. putting it out said no you got to give subtitles and i think that was the right idea um but that's the problem is as a piece of propaganda unfortunately Right, the message instead became Christianity is so great, but all oh, those evil Jewish people that tried right. to kill him—they did. They, and they Romans, yeah, and Romans—they Enroll- yeah, don't get, they don't count, they, they don't, don't count. count. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just those evil Jewish people, <laughs> right? That's that's the problem. Again, that's not what the message of the movie is that I got. But unfortunately, yeah. when people want to use a tool for their own interpretation. And what we've learned, there are many interpretations for things that are in the
1: Bible that, that uh, well, and not just, I mean, the thing is, this is, a, you take a movie like say clockwork orange. Yes. Right. People uh, read it the wrong way when it came out. Yes. Right. It, to some people, it glamorized violence. Exactly, and so I, you know, that's it, it, people do take movies the wrong way all the time. It's just I felt like I was really being hit over the head with a message in this movie. <laughs> we, well, we only have so much time, and and there are
0: other eastery themed movies that we could talk about that people might want to watch. Right? That was the- yeah the crux of the show with. So I'm going to throw out some <laughs> other things that yeah, people like. Yeah, throw out might, some titles. Some things that people like. Now, here was controversy. I mean, and we were talking death threats, protests, whatnot, and stuff that I remember happening, but I was like, I can't imagine why a movie would cause all this. And then a few years later, I finally saw it and I still couldn't understand why people wanted to <laughs> do that. But only because nothing shocks me to the point where I'm like, this is blasphemous. It's a movie. I feel like you got to take different things. And I also feel like making fun of religion if you can't make fun of anything, like, I mean, you know, people have to laugh. And so Life of Brian, Monty Life Python, of Brian. Yeah. that is a movie that literally caused all of the people of Monty Python receive death threats.
1: Okay. I didn't totally know that. And so when I first saw that movie when I was a kid and, you know, cause I was definitely allowed to watch Monty Python movies, but not uh Jesus movies I didn't get I didn't get a lot of the jokes oh okay well maybe you should go back to it now because we're gonna watch it we're gonna as a family we're gonna watch it this Easter (laughs) I have gone back to it uh and not very recently but maybe 15 years ago and uh I and I got a lot more of the jokes um, but it was an interesting thing watching it the first time and not getting the jokes. And <laughs> it's like kind of like the great dictator version of Jesus Christ, where it's like somebody's <laughs> mistaken for Jesus the whole way through. But it is hilarious. Um, it, no, it's more like lying. Mr. Klein yeah right right um
0: So all right so there's one for people who just want to laugh at Easter there's that um, you've got your non-religious right but 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 Easter's even in the title Easter parade.
1: I uh, am a huge fan of this movie. I've I know your seen family loves that film. My daughter at age five was obsessed with this movie. And we just watched it. Was, you know how kids do where at that age where they just watch the same thing over and over again? Yes. This was one that she watched over and over again. I love the soundtrack. The the Fred Astaire and um what's Judy Garland are just fantastic. It's a it's a love story, and it ends with a, a nice walk through an easter parade it and uh it also opens with this amazing sequence of fred astaire in a toy store uh playing drums on all the toys in the store uh and fred astaire had retired two years before this movie it was supposed to be gene kelly uh gene kelly broke his ankle and begged fred astaire to come back out of retirement and do this movie wow Anyhow, I love this movie, uh, Easter Parade. I recommend it to anyone who likes, you know, 40s musicals.
0: Another film that you put on the list, and I mean, I don't, think, I don't know if you really like this movie, but it does fit in the theme, and I'd forgotten about the theme. Um, and it's also about intolerance uh, in a weird way. I mean, it's a good message, and I think that the movie is a really good film, but it gets overshadowed by the Harvey Weinsteinification of the film pushing it for Oscars when it had no business being in that conversation was a uh, chocolate.
1: Yeah. It, it is a good movie, but it's not. Yeah. it's, <laughs>
0: But I mean, for those who are like, well, what is that? Well, it's like a, this, uh, you know, woman and her plucky daughter, like they moved to this village and hey, they're opening up a chocolate shop. Everybody should love it. <laughs> oh, but they opened it up at Lent and people aren't allowed to eat chocolate <laughs> at Lent, which is the 40 days that Jesus was up on the mountain. In case you didn't know what that was uh, all about, Teal, that's what Lent is. And so you're not supposed to have the sweets. Oh. And that's why at Easter time you have the sweets because you're breaking the fast. Oh, that's what the candy's about. That's what the candy's about. Yes. But basically, chocolate's like, why not enjoy chocolate anytime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that's a good Easter movie. Yeah. So so there's one. Yeah. Uh, here's a movie that like you just don't see ever on TV today, but you used to. It's another thing about intolerance or one of my favorite sub themes is that throngs and throngs of people follow Christianity They believe Christ the Savior and his miracles. However, they have a harder time accepting anybody afterwards who's witnessed a miracle. And they don't believe that they could possibly be. And that is the song of Bernadette. Oh, don't know it. Yeah. It's a girl who she sees a vision of uh, the Virgin Mary. And people in the village think she's crazy and want to lock her up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Miracle on the 34th Street, where they don't want to believe that right. that guy's Santa Claus. It sounds kind of great. Yeah, yeah. I forget the actress, but she won Best Actress that year for that movie. Okay. It's in the 40s. But then another film, and I think it's it maybe the 40s or the 50s. And I only watched this in the last few months, and the movie's flat out amazing. It's on the 250 list. Mm-hmm. Carl Dreyer's Ordette, which, di- which is translated to The Word. Okay. And I won't go into the details, but it's all about very religious people Mm -hmm. being intolerant of other people's religions. Oh, that's fascinating. Two families that one is this like super strict, like weird, like far right secular Christian. And if you're not part of his church, you don't really believe in God the right way. And this other family, there's like, you know, there's the the old daughter and the son on the other side, they want to marry, but they can't because the two fathers don't agree with the other one's religious philosophy, even though they're both Christians, but one doesn't believe the other one is real Christianity.
1: (laughs) Okay. That's fascinating. Wow. (laughs) And then the one who,
0: who, who has his own views of things where he doesn't feel like his that that son's good enough in station in life to marry his daughter, and that the father is too kooky with his far religion, he has an older son who is in some kind of fugue state where he believes he is Jesus Christ. I gotta see this. And Jesus, he's warning, he's walking around speaking the word of God, and that he's prophesying what's going to happen to the family, and nobody believes him, and then... He has a daughter-in-law who's pregnant and is about to have a baby who then has a very difficult Birch birth. And (laughs) the crazy fugue state uh, son who thinks he's Jesus wants to go in there and and perform a miracle. And they want to keep him away. And all this other crazy stuff where the other family uh, with the super religious guy – thinks that because they don't live the true word of God, the way he feels that right. it will be better off for that child. If the child doesn't survive and, and if the mom is to die, so be it. And wow, what the movie ultimately is about is about having true faith. Right. And that in this story, the only person with the true faith is the son that thinks he's Jesus Christ.
1: Right. Oh, wow. Okay. That's super. I got to see this. That's amazing.
0: This movie is such a powerhouse. It sucks you in. And by the end of this film, which is, by the way, it's, it's like so strikingly shot. It's so beautiful. And it's done like, it's done on sets that they built, but right. every intricate camera move is designed for like 10 to 12 minute takes. Oh, wow. And and moving around the space, trying to figure out how would you use a camera right I, in a play setting. So it's all
1: that's fascinating.
0: Or I mean, it took months to film because of the careful orchestration to make sure that all the camera moves in and out. So instead of having to cut to close ups or medium shots, right,
1: it moves perfectly. Oh, that's
0: so cool. And then by end of this movie, it. I'm like I said, I don't want to spoil what happens in this movie. It really got me. This movie is so good. And again, it's a great sort of religious allegory about, about faith and what does it mean? And the idea that we are so invested in the Jesus mythology and buying every word of that, but yet if somebody claims to have that kind of connection to the heavens and we reject them as blasphemers we reject them and we reject true miracles that might happen before very often. right so that one i think is something that
1: people should really check out so here's the thing <laughs> is that you know with my inexperience i still find like you were just saying i find these movies some of them to be quite moving that you know they actually get at some things that are important I think and uh a- another one that I watched uh on your recommendation it's not really an Easter movie uh is the trouble with angels that's the one religious movie that gets me
0: every time I'm yes. not a religious person but I love the journey in that movie
1: I-, I felt the same way and you know by the end of it I was like this is she is making the right decision right this this feels like There's so many cool things about this movie, but the one that really struck me is that it is a character story more than a plot. It's very loosely structured, so there's not a lot of action, reaction, consequence, plot logic tying it together. It's almost more of a montage of this three years. And there's, of course, the scenes play out. It's not really a montage, um, but it's this collection of scenes that shows this character's development uh, over these three years from being kind of immature to being grown up. And, And so much of her transition is done without dialogue. And there's these moments of quiet reflection and her looking at the mother superior and sort of picturing herself in those roles. And uh, so when she finally does make the decision, uh, there's no, there's no decision scene. We don't, it happens off screen and another character announces her decision and it's, uh, it it's just a really interesting way that to to do that without having these big dramatic scenes of her pulling her hair out over this decision.
0: Well, what's also great about that that film and the way it unfolds is that when it happens at first, I mean, I can just remember the first time I went, it, it catches you, the audience, off guard, and you, the surrogate for us is her best friend, yes, who's shocked and betrayed. But then you're able to quickly start to reanalyze everything that you watched and you are able to add up and say, well, this is not a fault. This is not like some surprise ending. They built everything in there. We just were thinking we're watching one type of movie and it's something different.
1: Yeah, we were just kind of going along with the flow of it. But yeah, it's all in there. The whole development of the characters in there and- I haven't seen the sequel. Well, unfortunately, Haley Mills isn't in the sequel. They have someone else playing her. So
0: that's why I was kind of never that into it. It it doesn't have the same power. Yeah. The the really important thing about this, and I always loved it for that reason that you just described in the context of our sort of religious discussion. Yeah. But it's a great coming-of-age film. Absolutely. A couple of other things is, again, at a time when they were not making any movies about women... Right? Yes. Girls. This is a very female-centric film. Yeah. With girls talking about stuff that's not just about boys and it's directed by a woman, Ida Lupino, at a time when women were not getting a chance to direct movies. And so it's like a triple whammy in this movie. I watched it with my family. I'm curious because you have two daughters. Yeah. And they none of these people have seen it, so I'm curious to what their thoughts were.
1: My wife said that it was the perfect young adult storyline um and that it just you know she writes my wife writes young adult and so she saw it in that genre and how it basically perfectly captures every moment of that genre and doesn't yes part of it they they all liked it for it being female-centric and the fact that a lot of the movies so my kids are sensitive to any kind of misogyny or sexism in old movies. They, it, they won't necessarily not watch it because of that, but they will point it out and complain about it quite a bit. It's
0: glaring today in a way that we probably went unrecognized when we might have seen some of those movies back then.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so my kids are very aware of it and pointed out not a single moment of that in this movie.
0: Yeah. And it's a very smart movie.
1: Yeah, it's a very smart movie, and you know they connected with it. They thought the pranks were fun, and then <laughs> so my youngest, who's ten, she fell asleep. I'm not sure when exactly uh, in the movie, but she fell asleep. So she wakes up and asks me what happened in the movie. I said, "Well, she becomes a nun at the end," and my my daughter goes, eh, "Propaganda."
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, so normally, right, the cynical me would would, would be like this yes. kind of movie. Hate, but like everything about this movie works. Uh, another big asset to this film is a very, very memorable score from Jerry Goldsmith. Absolutely. And yes. it really adds the power. But then there's like, there's moments like the, the, the characters experience something. Again, a lot of mo- things that happen in this movie come unexpected. And yeah. also, it really impacts and shapes Haley Mills' character. And one is the her favorite teacher, the most sort of like vivacious, young, yeah. hip nun, she turns education into fun, like in horse yeah. racing terms and stuff. Yeah, the
1: math teacher, yeah.
0: Out of nowhere, she passes away.
1: Yeah, just in the night, yeah.
0: And it's so shocking But it also instills in her that that's the kind of nun that she would be. And then you mentioned the other person who she found beautiful is going to go off
1: and do service at a leper colony. (laughs) And she's baffled by this decision. Uh, Mary is, you know, why is this happening? But, or the Haley Mills character, it, it doesn't quite understand this nun's decision, but in coming to understand it, it has a big impact on her.
0: Isn't there another they meet another person who's helping them? I don't know whether it was when they have to they have to go and get bras or something, but there's the woman who she had escaped from a concentration camp or something.
1: Yes, yes. Um she she's fantastic. I can't remember the character name, but uh but the characters are all so rich and interesting and treated as people, not as religious figures. No, no. Reading the description of the movie, I thought, okay, maybe it's going to, maybe the nuns are going to be a little caricatured. And it's these kids playing tricks on the, you know, the strict old nuns. And that's not what it is. All these nuns are complete, full human beings and characters. And... Uh, anyhow, it's a wonderful film and my family loved it. You know, again,
0: I think I first recommended it when we were years ago when we were talking about movies that, that your 14 year olds or whatever could watch. Yeah. Um, or actually just for girls you would at the time you were trying to find stuff for your oldest when she was younger to be like what could she watch and so uh, so i'm glad you finally watched it again you, you're right it's not necessarily an Easter movie but you know again if we're looking for fun religiously themed films uh, that's another one that people could watch
1: yeah and it is uh, it's a it's just a really good family film right and i would say passion of the christ not a great family film for my family anyway no that's to me is like <laughs> some people take their kids to it but yeah not not the kind of thing I would take my kids to. I mean, maybe there are people who
0: watch it every year. I mean, I, I know that, uh, not all the time, but once in a while, I might pop on a few minutes to Ten Commandments if I catch that it's on at this time, because there's some cheese fact. I mean, some of the lines in that movie are so hilarious. I mean, it's, it's... What time of year did Passion
1: of the Christ come out?
0: Um, it came out, I think, around like March, February, March, 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 I think. So it was right before Easter, you know? So then there was a second cut of the film. Yeah, you were saying something about this. Maybe it was something that the churches could show and it wasn't as violent exactly. or Exactly.
1: Yeah, Gibson made what's called the Easter cut. The Easter cut? <laughs> which is about three or four minutes shorter and just cuts out some of the more gory parts. And yeah, it was exactly for that reason. So-
0: because they didn't do this in my day, but apparently a lot of churches show movies. <laughs> you know, oh they, yeah, you know, to show these things. And-
1: I mean, it's a whole it's the whole industry. It's not just a subgenre. It actually has its own studios and financing, and uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. And I, it, it, you know, some of these movies, I, I I I did a little research, and I didn't, you know, there's one called I Can Only Imagine that came out in 2018, not that long ago, right? stars Dennis Quaid. That's right, yeah. Right? And this movie made $85 million. Well, you know, I mean, again, just because they're in
0: it, you know, I think there's probably some hesitation of actors because they don't want to get labeled or something, but, you know, I think it's Dennis, if the check clears Quaid, He's not like, necessarily religious or anything, but hey,
1: you know, I'll be in this movie. I want to act. <laughs> but again, it's a movie that made $85 million that I had never heard of.
0: Yeah, and it probably didn't cost very much, right?
1: And it probably didn't cost very much. But uh, my point is, this is a whole uh, sub-industry with its own audiences and theaters and stuff like that. I mean, these movies don't play uh, nationwide. They They're targeted geographically.
0: Well, look at the Tyler Perry. I mean, he made all those Mateo films. Those were all had a religious theme aspect to them and they were all big big hits. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've never seen one.
0: Um, yeah, I haven't <laughs> either, but uh, uh, uh
1: but I'm not opposed to checking it out. I just never got around to it. So. Yeah, I
0: mean, we're not I, we're not going to be doing another whole <laughs> episode on these types of but, films, but.
1: thank you for the uh, religious education in this episode. This really helped me uh, understand that why this story uh, is told over and over again in film.
0: Yeah, I didn't know I was going to play Minister Jim, but (laughs) oh, I did.
1: I mean, I'm hoping that people
0: listening to this understand that, like, you know, again, here we are not discriminatory over anybody's religion or religious choices. Um, and I think that, like you said, the message that we get out of the Jesus story, um, it doesn't matter to me whether or not, like, what's real, what's not real, what people believe or not believe, but it's the idea of loving other people and respecting other people and other people's religiousness and tolerance, which is what he teaches and what people really should get that out of.
1: Yeah, love, compassion, forgiveness. That's what I got out of watching the crucifixion scene over and over again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious because they all have the same, they're all the same. They're all exactly the same, uh, You know, aside from little tweaks here and there and different things are portrayed slightly different or the, like I said, the translation is different by a few words, but they're all basically the same. And they all gave me the same message. And as somebody who's not religious uh, to get that message from this story, I think is, pretty great, actually. It shows it shows why it's a powerful story and told over and over again. And yes, absolutely. I'm not condemning anyone's religious beliefs.
0: When we see the things that are going on in this country, not going to get too political, but when there's a lot of anti-LGBTQ, um, anti-trans, all these movements, but even worse, kind of Putting that in a bucket with it's against God's will and Jesus's will, yeah. and we're 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 Jesus loving Christians, and I'm like, well, you really ought to think hard about who Jesus really was and what his and beliefs, what his were, message was, and that yeah. he would be very accepting of people with different choices. It doesn't matter whether or not you personally are someone who is gay or LGBTQ or trans or something, it it, it should be an accepting to let people be who they are and not discriminate against them for their own choices and preferences. Uh, It's kind of ridiculous, and especially to use Christianity as your shield for the way you believe. Like, just have the guts to say you believe it because you're just a not tolerant person, but then they don't, don't try to hide behind religion and say, well, it's because I've been taught that. Especially a religion. That's all about tolerance. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's, again, when we watch these movies, think about the message of tolerance.
1: So that's what I got out of, out of these movies. That's, that's what I'm taking away from my Easter movie adventure is that, uh, this is a story of forgiveness and love.
0: And don't forget people, when you're watching these movies, in the next few weeks, Make sure you have your Cadbury mini eggs. They're also (laughs) tasty and chocolatey. Certainly goes down well with any of these Jesus films. Cadbury mini eggs, unpaid (laughs) endorsement. They're my favorite, and I always make sure I have a bag each holiday season. Now, do you like the standard? They have a few different flavors. I've tried them all. I mean, first of all, we grew up with the the just the one with the yeah. with the creamy yolky thing, um, yeah. and that was always fine, but I love the mini eggs, and now they've got them in different flavors and things. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a more of a traditional mini egg person, though we had some different colored ones this year. Oh, cool. Okay. They have like yeah. dark chocolate ones, which is a little too intense for me, but.
1: Uh, there's a caramel one that's pretty good.
0: Ooh, I like those. Maybe I'll try. Yeah. I'll uh, have some, ca- the caramel mini eggs. Yeah, so those are my. Anyhow, favorite. we should
1: get going. We should because
0: we got to get our Easter baskets out and ready. So, yes, this will be, I think, our one and only Easter themed episode. Um, but you've got now some choices from the weird and extreme. I think nothing is to me was weirder and more extreme in a, in a way than the Gospel according to Saint Matthew. Just to see Jesus with a unibrow kind of freaked me out. <laughs> I, just, I couldn't get over all of these weird looking Italian actors that they had, and they weren't even actors. He just got like
1: people, but it it, it was just kind of a freaky movie for me. I I just didn't like it. And oh, one last note to the listeners, if you're looking for Easter movies and you come across something called the Easter Bunny Massacre, uh, I, I can't recommend it. I don't know what that is. It sounds scary. I'm afraid I don't want to watch that. I watched the first one minute of it. And I was just gonna say, I don't think they had any Easter horror movies. Um, but now you've just told me one. This is one. And, uh, I watched the first minute of it and it looked like it was shot on somebody's phone with people that have never been in front of a camera before. Oh. <laughs> and with no lighting. I mean, it, it was the most amateurish thing I had ever seen in my life. And uh, yeah. Well, there we go. Okay, so that, that's our final, final non-recommendation.
0: Uh, but anyways, everyone, uh, have fun. Uh, be safe this Easter season. <laughs> Watch out for stray bunnies. Um, And, uh, you know, go see some stuff. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.